Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, my name is Scott Hilliard. I'm a reporter at the Journal Star. And our guests today are... uh, couple of law enforcement folks from the city of Peoria, Amy Dotson, uh, public information officer, right? Yes. With the Peoria Police Department and Detective Stevie Hughes, um, who is a uh, cyber crimes investigator with the Peoria Police Department. Um, thank you guys both for uh, for coming. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for having us. You bet. Um, important topic. I mean, I think a lot of people are... Um, know about it and are it's happened to them and it's a it's a fairly common crime but um can you uh, start out with uh, stevie with uh, giving me a couple of examples of the kind of crimes that you investigate well uh i investigate any crime that happens within this wonderful world that we call cyberspace mm-hmm. uh, so uh, any exploitation of any person using the internet um we also investigate uh, child cases, so child pornography, things like that, fraud, uh, any scams, threats, uh, any of those types of things that are using the Internet, that's what I kind of specialize in uh, with the addition of uh, any forensic uh, duties. Um, what does that look like? How do you if uh, start with how the call comes in and then how you are personally brought into, uh, into an investigation? So typically when we have some type of a crime that's been committed on the Internet, a patrol officer will go out and uh, take the report. Um, And then that report is assigned by a sergeant um, to the appropriate division. Uh, So in this case, if it would be something Internet-related, it would come to me. I would then review all the facts and and things about it that the, uh, uh, I guess, the victim at this point would turn into the police once I'm able to ascertain what's actually going on, uh, then I take a deeper dive into it. I'm looking at the evidence of where the, the crime came from. Maybe an IP address is involved. Maybe a known email address is involved or a telephone number. Uh, and then that's when we start serving legal process to figure out where this is coming from so that we can take the appropriate action on, on the suspect. Isn't it a, a lot of what you do is actually trying to extract information and data from from computers and computer systems and actually i specialize in mobile um device oh, extraction mm-hmm. um now because of uh, my mentor james feehan i mm-hmm. was obviously exposed to uh, the extraction of computer uh, devices as well uh, but my specialty is in mobile uh, devices that's what i've been highly trained in uh, vehicle extraction uh, from infotainment systems etc uh, but i've also been exposed to that that online element that open source uh searching of the internet to find out where things are coming from and who's responsible for it okay well another thing we're interested in today i think is there's cyber crimes and then there's also phone scams which i think that you may get involved with it at some level but amy can you uh can you give us a couple of examples of people of people who are being uh uh 
who are get, who are receiving the phone calls and what kind of scams and what are people saying to people and uh, uh, what do you, what do you know as far as phone scams go in the city of Peoria in the area? Sure, I, I think we can fairly say that most people have either been affected by a scam or no one or know someone that's been affected by a scam. I should say not necessarily they've been victimized, but we've all received the phone calls such as um, you've won something something for nothing that you've won. That's a type of phone call scam. Uh, a common one is a grandchild in jail somewhere out of the country. You know, please send money immediately. Mm -hmm. Another one with this being tax season is the IRS scam. That's a big one. It gets people every year. Uh, but the important takeaway to know about the IRS scam is the IRS will never, ever, under any circumstance, call someone. If they want to notify you, it'll be via certified mail. And especially call and threaten you to take action. Absolutely. The IRS never calls people. But what they'll do is they'll call and claim that, you know, you owe back taxes and this needs to be rectified right away or there could be a warrant for your arrest. It's the same with the jury duty scam. Hey, guess what? You've missed jury duty. There is a warrant for your arrest. Um, the same with the all the scams have something in common. It's someone cold calling you, telling you that they want money, and the way they want the money is via Western Union, green dot cards, iTunes cards, prepaid debit or credit cards. Anything like that should raise a red flag to a consumer. Okay. Um, you told when we spoke earlier this week. You told me a, an interesting story. And, that Amy just brought up about the iTunes cards. It was something that I had no no knowledge of that you could actually monetize the, mm -hmm. the theft of an iTunes card. Uh, apparently, and I think you told our photographer when he was in to, to, to take your picture about a specific case, and obviously no names need to be included, of where you were able to help a person who was in the throes of this happening that mm -hmm. was actually driving around town. So yeah. can you, do you mind relaying that story? Oh, absolutely. You know, one of the things about this particular story, it, it tells us our comfort level with uh, you know, folks, once they get on the phone, it's a convenience aspect. Here was a call where it was an IRS scam, and this caller was saying, hey, I need you to get your taxes uh, fixed and, and rectified as soon as possible. You're going to lose your house. You're going to lose your car, that type of thing. Uh, you know, we, we take the payments in iTunes cards. If you can go to the local Best Buy uh, or Target, get us some iTunes cards. Give us the number off of the back, and we'll take care of this right away. Well, while this young lady was on the phone, uh, she was giving information that they were probing her for about her husband, mm -hmm. uh, his telephone number, his occupation, that type of thing, which the IRS would already have if right. you filed your taxes appropriately. So don't do that. Don't do that at all. <laughs> don't give them any additional information. But while she's giving this information, there's another caller who's close to this caller who's calling the husband. And sending him to buy iTunes cards. But he's telling her, her the story that your wife is in trouble. We, we have her. She's a hostage. If you don't get these iTunes card numbers, the, you know, you're never going to see your wife again. Well, he can't get his wife on the phone because they have her tied up on the other line saying, you got to get your tax situation all, figured out all here. All part of the plan. All a part of the plan. So as they're, they're taking advantage of these uh, two folks over the course of several hours, um, you know, Somewhere in the ballpark of $19,000 was lost uh, because these gentlemen were taking these numbers and, and um, you know, extracting the money from the cards 
that and that money is now gone. You know, uh, that type of scenario uh, could be stopped with exactly what Amy said. The IRS is not going to contact you by phone and, and, and help you fix your taxes uh, over the phone. Uh, they're also not going to ask for iTunes cards because I don't think, uh, you know, the IRS wants to uh, pass around office pools of iTunes cards. So, um, you know, those types of things could be stopped uh, just by taking a minute getting some basic information and saying, hey, let me call you back once I have some information uh, that I can give to you, because you're certainly not going to go through your, your you know, W-4s or W-2s or any of your, your 1099s while you're on the phone with this guy in five minutes. So uh, take some information down, call them back, uh, and, and try to verify who they are. What a, I have a, a problem thinking this through and how is it that an iTunes card can be monetized for somebody else could just explain what it is about the the card itself that can turn into a into criminal activity well i mean it's it's a value it's like any other card it it has money on it um you know when you think about an iTunes card uh you know a 25 dollar gift that you get for christmas it's it's really nothing until you take that gift uh, and change that into money, whether you're buying goods on iTunes store, uh, where you're transferring it to another Apple good or service. And it, it, that's like another card. It's your green dot cards. You have ability to transfer those monies into accounts. But typically what happens is they're not going to transfer them into some account that says, you know, Stevie Hughes, one, two, three, anywhere in Peoria, Illinois. It's it's going to be some, you know, off season account or, you know, it's going to over, you know, over-the-wire type of transaction. They go into another Bitcoin or something like that. They're transferring these monies all over the place. That's why these cyber or cryptocurrencies are becoming a problem because you can't track them. So, uh, you know, when you're dealing with something like this, it's tough because you don't know what they're doing. I mean, not even we know what they're doing until we start serving legal process and figuring out where monies are transferred. Because there, there is no end game until they know what they're going to do with the monies. They already have something in mind that they're going to do. But if, if, if I buy an iTunes card for 25 bucks mm-hmm. or 100 bucks or whatever, do I have to get a refund? Get a refund or how, I mean, how does that, instead of it turning into me purchasing music with the iTunes card, it turns into $100 cash. That's where I, I don't have a clear idea of what that is. Well, I, I don't know in, in terms of, ways to do of returning uh, and how uh, retailers handle that today. Uh, but I do know that there's several apps out there on the market uh-huh. that are, uh, you know, erroneous apps or apps created by people who are uh, taking that for personal gain. They're not giving you an app. You're downloading that app and it does nothing, but that money goes somewhere, right? Because it's set up to that person who has that account. Um, and, and I don't have a great experience with uh, iTunes as a, you know, as a company. I use their products, but, um, you know, as far as that crime end of it, it, it's really, it's a deep hole because, you know, what does it take to make an app? You know, some programmer out there can make an app and, you know, every bit of 30 minutes and set up an account. And now they're filtering in money for people buying their app app 
you know, how long does it take to find this person and, and prosecute them yeah. if they're selling a, a you know a bogus app? So we're talking about iTunes cards, but the same could be of a Golden Corral gift card. Absolutely, or any, anything. Absolutely, okay. I think gift cards in general. We've seen that over the last ten years, uh, where people would go into stores and they weren't taking merchandise as much anymore. They were going in and using credit cards that were you know fraudulent credit cards or stolen credit cards, and they're buying gift cards. Well, why? Because hmm. a gift card can change into 500 different hands before the end of the holiday season. Right. You could give it as a gift, re-gift it, and re-gift it again. And hmm. does that is that the same person that originally did the crime? Probably not. But the value in a scammer requesting hmm. something like an iTunes card or a prepaid Visa card that you can get it. Most checkout stands Gas and, and retailers, whatever. yeah. The value for them is you go and purchase the card for X amount of money, probably any denomination you want, quite frankly, with a combination of cards. And then as soon as you buy that card and the money is applied to the card, all that's required then is the back. There's a scratch-off, like a lotto ticket. There's a scratch-off gray area. As soon as the scammer, as soon as you give them that number over the phone, they've got your money yep. just as quick as that. Well, uh, you also told a, a story of the, of credit card scams, and you mm-hmm. have, I think, as a visual aid, you have a, a stack of credit cards yes. in your in your desk drawer. Um, tell me about that and the and the lengths that criminals can go to to turn a card into their own. So I, I've always been uh, kind of interested uh, in, in that as a, a crime. Uh, and History Channel showed a show one day, and I was watching it, and. They, yeah. You know, I'm watching this guy take a prepaid Walmart gift card uh, or money card, and he removes the printed uh, silver numbers off of the front of it with, like, lighter fluid. The embossed ones? The raised just, ones? Just the regular printed-on ones. The, okay. the I guess they're labeled on. He, he takes it off with lighter fluid. Uh, he goes into a hotel room and he's explaining to this reporter that he gives a card reader uh, that has a magnetic strip uh, reader on the back of it okay. to a waitress that works in a local you know bar, uh, college student. She's taking credit card numbers the whole day. She's just swiping people's cards. Before she swipes it in to the merchant where she works, she, she swipes their card to get their information gives this back to this guy and he how has a cache of credit cards and personal information that he can read with a, a program once he acquires that prepaid card and removes the front number off of it he then goes ahead and embosses the numbers of the stolen credit cards that he obtains illegally through this waitress and then he goes to the store and he buys items. He buys. He's got full buying power. Absolutely. With that, with that as long as he does it right and the numbers match what's in that that magnetic strip, he goes into his local, uh, you know, Best Buy or, or Target and he buys large dollar purchases as much as he can, as much as they'll let him get away with, right? right? And then he goes out and sells these pure profit because he has nothing in them. He's using someone else's money. Right. So as a merchant, one of the things that that needs to be done and needs to be enforced is is that we have uh, cashiers uh, or store associates that are reading not only the numbers on the front, but making sure the numbers on the back match the numbers on the front, uh, because that's how they're getting away with it. We're not checking those numbers. We see a name on there and we see a set of embossed numbers and an expiration date. 
It swipes and it goes through. See you later, customer. We just made our money. Thank you. You know, but, but on the other side of that, we have some poor victims sitting at home uh, that may have car trouble, may have uh, sick children, and they go to use that card, and now all of a sudden it's declining it, right. and they have no knowledge of why. So when you're make, when you're buying something at Best Buy or wherever, and the cashier or the clerk starts checking stuff and starts running stuff and your eyes are rolling it's like come on the card's good you should you should respect that because they're trying to pre- prevent those things absolutely yeah. you you know as a, as a person that come from retail i did approximately 17 years in retail uh, most of it in loss prevention uh, where i saw these types of things but you know you would see the customer getting angry yeah. you know but on the back like side of that challenging their oh, own oh, oh absolutely but you know on the back side of that as as a loss prevention manager when and they would call back in and say, my card was used fraudulently there. What, right. what are you guys doing? You don't even check the person's ID. And I'm thinking, well, if you could see how your eyes were rolling back when you're in here, you know, we're trying to get you in here and get you out as fast as we possibly can. But you know what? I love that people check that card. Yeah. I, I love the, the fact that you don't have to put CID on the back of the card. People just check it. They check the IDs because they want to protect you as a consumer, and they're also protecting themselves because the more loss that they take, obviously they got to raise the prices, you know, and yeah. none of us want to go somewhere Vish, where the prices are high. Absolutely. I think it's also to point out, though, important to point out that none of this should cause panic to anybody mm-hmm. listening to this, <laughs> you know, because... You know, we're a very advanced society, and we rely on technology and computers and, you know, chipped debit cards and credit cards. Mm -hmm. And a lot of us don't carry large amounts of cash, you know, for various reasons. But there's ways that you can take precautions as well. You know, we have online banking at our fingertips. A lot of us have the Our Bank apps on our phones. You get your bank statements in the mail. Just regularly check your statements and make sure you agree with all the charges. And if you don't, there's a dispute process for each financial institution. Just pay attention to your finances and be careful, you know, where you use your debit card or where you hand it out. And you see more and more in restaurants, to piggyback off of what Stevie said, um, that particular case that wasn't here but it was debuted on the History Channel, you see more and more restaurants now having the little – the the pay at your tables. You oh, can insert true. your card, yeah. pay at the table. So yeah. your card never leaves your possession. And you're going to see more and more yeah. of that as we have. Yeah, absolutely. But this is jumping around a little bit, but the um, going back to the phone scam and the the caller um, creating a story and, and scaring general, usually so senior citizens or people who are a little older. Um, what do you see in the Peoria Police Department? At what level do the police get involved in, in something like that? Is it does a lot of this just go unreported because people are maybe em- embarrassed? Um, are they pretty good at stopping it before it get before they're actually going to get money? Or or would at what at what point do you see a police report come out of a? a phone That's call a complicated like that? question. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, Police get involved once a crime has been committed. So once there is a victim, meaning you have lost money, a crime has been committed. Now, if someone calls you tonight and attempts to scam you and you say, no way, and hang up the telephone, 
You may call and let us know that this scam was attempted on you, but you are not a victim because you realized it was a scam and you hung up the phone. Okay. If you are out money, then we get involved and we work with the financial institutions that apply here. Um, having said that, uh, a disproportionate amount of people that are scammed are our senior citizens. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not fair. It's just something that we see more and more of. There are many reasons. Uh, you can take your pick at which one. I don't really know the exact reason seniors tend to be the targets. Um, but having said that, uh, it is it is common for us to only find out once someone is out a large amount of money because when someone is scammed, it's common for them to feel ashamed or embarrassed that they got scammed. And so usually once they tell a family member or a trusted friend, that's when we'll get called. And we would like to dispel the myth of being ashamed or embarrassed by this because we as a society are being targeted by highly intelligent career (laughs) scammers and they are professionals in what they do and it is their trade to learn how to scam you so it should never be a shameful topic or embarrassing we encourage you to let us know as soon as possible that that makes me think about what the or to ask about what the end game is here it's one thing to have someone break into your house and steal your television and, and walk out with it or walk out with a diamond necklace or whatever. Here, in a phone scam or in a cyber scam, you may be out the same amount of money, but it is this career uh, cyber criminal who could be anywhere in the, on, the, on the planet. What are you, as an investigator of these crimes, are you trying to find the bad guys, or is there some other end result that would be satisfying for the police department? I actually like to find uh, any of the bad guys, you know, in in terms of any crime. If you committed a crime, you committed a crime, and and, and we're obviously going to look at you, you know, uh, for that crime. But when we're talking about cyber criminals, we're operating in an environment uh, that is... It's, it's these guys are very proficient in what they do. Uh, it's very anonymous, uh, so it takes a lot of work to find these people. Uh, there's tools and applications out there that make people appear to be in Africa uh, or you know some far off place. Scam that was so common. Absolutely. You know, but now it's I can make myself look like I'm one of those guys, and I'm not. Right? <laughs> I'm right here in the U.S. I'm right here on the soil, uh, but but I'm using some you know fake proxy server that's that's showing me somewhere else. Uh, so as an investigator, uh, one of the things that I have to be aware of is I have to be aware of the tools, um, um, and I guess. Uh, fruits of the crimes that are available. You know, I, I have to know what they have out there and what's available to them to use to make it seem like they're somewhere else, to make it seem like they're somebody else, uh, and tie all of these accounts together to a real person. Because what you'll find a lot of times as an investigator uh, in the cyber world is is that people always leave a hole somewhere. Right. It, it's the you know, I've got a fake name on Facebook. Uh, you can't tell who they are. But the one picture that they post that has some, you know, drug paraphernalia or, or weapons or something like that. If you watch the comments, mom always says, knock it off. You're being stupid on the Internet. <laughs> and then you just trace back your criminal. So 
while it's anonymous and it's an environment that that kind of thrives off of that you have the ability to find out who these people are because there's always a tie back to who they are, whether it's an uh, IP address uh, or, or some other piece of data that they're leaving behind. That's you leave a footprint. To, that's, that's what's, what's up, up for to me. You to, Absolutely. To find that footprint. And I spend hours sometimes doing it <laughs> because I enjoy it. If I can touch on something that Stevie said, yeah. uh, it's very important. He talked about proxy servers and giving the illusion that it actually occurs in some other region. Um, we also see something called spoofing. And spoofing is a very complicated um, uh, scheme. Spoofing. spoofing. And mm-hmm. so I'll, exp- I'll give you an example. So spoofing is it's either an app or a computer program where I am calling you, Amy is calling Scott, but I make your caller ID say Stevie is calling Scott okay. with his name and his phone number. But it's really me. And so I will put that into an example here in the Peoria area. This is the jury duty scam or the IRS scam. We've seen that too. People's caller ID that have landlines or cell phones that subscribe to caller ID services will say internal revenue service. Well, I've already told you they will never call you. And that holds true. It'll say it on your your phone as as they're making the call. Yes. It's not. It is spoofing because we know the IRS never calls us. Only certified mail or white raid vans. Right, (laughs) but not on phone calls. So uh, a more relatable example is a scam went around a few years ago, and on the caller ID, it said Peoria County Sheriff's Office. The number looked like a local number. They left a message on a gentleman's answering machine at the time and said, you have missed jury duty. This is deputy so-and-so an actual deputy with Peoria County Sheriff's Office because they, they do their research. Their research yeah. right. And in the recording, they could hear the victim, could hear police radios and such in the background. So it sounds legitimate. The number looks local. It says Peoria County Sheriff's Office. And they give the name of an actual deputy. And they say, you have missed jury duty. There's a warrant for your arrest. Please call us right away totally plausible too that you might have thrown away your notice for jury duty. absolutely yeah. so this unsuspecting citizen law-abiding citizen gets mm-hmm. very upset 60 some years old never been arrested in his life <laughs> right so he calls the number back and they basically explain to him you know you need to turn yourself in you have a warrant and there were several phone calls and this man became very distraught and finally After a series of phone calls, they called him back and said, well, you know what, we've looked at your background, and you've never been arrested before. And they know this because he told them that in his spontaneous exclamations, oh my goodness, I've never done anything wrong before. Taking notes. Yes, (laughs) yes. And because he was distraught, as I described. And so they said, you know, we've looked at your background, you've never been arrested in your life before. I'll tell you what, instead of turning yourself in, you can, now fill in the blank here, Western Union money, get a prepaid debit card, give us your checking account routing number. We can just take the money online and you'll be good to go. Now, it was a very elaborate scam, and it was, in fact, a scam. Because the police, we are not going to call you if you have a warrant for your arrest. We're not going to call and tell you that. We're going to knock on your door. Yeah, Yeah, we're not going to come get you, and we're certainly not going to take a payment over the phone for a warrant. Right? right? So With a prepaid gift card. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> or a prepaid debit card, credit right. card. Right. But 
what I want to caution here is if you're ever in doubt, you know, you get this gut feeling. We, we all have intuition. We have to listen to it. We tell ourselves to ignore it as we, as we become adults. We tell ourselves, oh, you know what, our head is saying, you know, I'm just going to believe this, but our gut is telling us this doesn't feel right. Mm. When you get those feelings or you get these phone calls that you're just not sure, hang up the phone. Right? We are a society that we are reachable 24-7, and we allow people to disrupt our daily lives by reaching us all the time. But there's nothing saying you have to take those phone calls. And if you do an answer a phone call that, that appears, as like I said, and you just don't really feel right about it, hang up the phone, call your local police department with the number that you know to be accurate, not the number on the caller ID, and ask us if you have a warrant for your arrest. We will let you know if you call and ask us if you have a warrant, but we're also going to let you know that was a scam. So anytime you're in doubt, call your local police department. Good advice. The uh, Speaking to some people who are the recipients of phone calls, I know a couple have told me that you say that you can pretend to be, your number can pretend to be you know, local or whatever, but there, there are people who have received phone calls from themselves, and mm-hmm. which is kind of confusing. Yeah. But um, I, would that be a mistake of a, of a scammer, or what would possibly be the purpose of sending a phone call using the recipient's number? Have you ever heard of that before? I've heard of that a couple times, and I've really never understood it. Uh, there's several of those calls that come out with the same prefixes or numbers that are pretty close. Okay. Uh, but I think the programs that are being used uh, just generate random numbers, uh, and, and they're calling everybody. Um, you know, I've even received them on my work cell telling me that I need to uh, extend my vehicle's warranty, which, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I, I don't think the city does that. Um, I'm pretty sure they don't, or it doesn't go to our department phones. So uh, I, I think that the electronic programs that they're using uh, are very complicated and very sophisticated, but the users uh, sometimes aren't. Hmm. Uh, they're just calling. They want to call, they want someone to answer, and they want someone to act uh, based on whatever scam they're running. So uh, when we when we look at those numbers – me generally, if I don't know the number, if it's not saved, I don't answer it. I let it go to voicemail, and you know, a lot of times I, I escape those calls because I know that it's not a real call. If you're not a contact in my num in my phone book, I'm not going to answer the number until I know that I'm I'm dealing with something real because I just don't have time to keep pressing two every time. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's. Um I'll have both of you respond to this. You with a cybercrime and you with a phone scam. And we've kind of touched on this throughout this whole conversation, but just for one answer in one spot, a common cybercrime that someone, any average Joe sitting at their computer could be a victim of, how do you you avoid getting getting sucked into it? Well, I I think one of the things that's important when we're dealing with cyber is, is to realize that a lot of companies... Uh, don't call you or contact you. Uh, and I'm going to say call and contact because now we have video calls, we have instant messages, uh, emails, things like that that will now pop up as you're doing your business on your computer. Uh, Microsoft will not send you a message through your computer, okay. not any kind of contact. If you want to initiate contact uh, through Microsoft, 
that's that's incumbent upon you to do that. So um, just knowing that is just protection. knowing that is protection yeah. in and of itself because you're not going to get a phone call from them. You're not going to get an email. You're not going to get an instant message saying there's a problem with your computer. Uh, there's built-in notifiers in your computer. Uh, the black screen of death or the blue screen of death will let you know something's wrong with your computer, and it's your job to get it down to you know Stevie's repair shop on on Smith Street uh, or go out to your local Best Buy and have somebody do it, but uh, Microsoft doesn't have the time right. or, or resources to contact you uh, via email or phone or whatever uh, instant message. So just knowing that, you're going to protect yourself because you're not going to fall victims of it. Close it out. And if, if that screen or pop-up doesn't close out, restart the computer because whatever you've gotten into on the internet or whatever you've clicked has a virus that's present. And then you let your antivirus program do what it does. You buy it for a reason. You know, make it work for you. But do not answer those. Do not give them any information. And don't follow their directions. The reason they're telling you the directions is because they understand what the end result is. So they're not smart. They just have done it 75 times before they called you or more, right? right? So they're not intelligent uh, in the sense that they, they, you know, see the future in your computer. They've just done it a bunch of times, and they know exactly what it says. Yeah. And as far as phone scams go, everyone, when they hear about it, they think, you know, that could, I mean, that's ridiculous. How could you fall for something like your your grandson calling you from a place that you didn't even know your grandson was going to be? Yet, they keep doing it. And so there must be some percentage of phone calls that are successful. There are, because it it happens all the time. Uh, How do you... How do you avoid that happening? And beyond just saying, "Well, of course, it, you know, I'm not going to believe anybody." What are what are the actual things you should be thinking of when those kinds of calls come in um, to to stop to stop it right there? Well, I would say the biggest piece of advice that I can give is uh, let's give notice to what our kids do. Our kids screen their calls, right? They don't answer every time you call, <laughs> right? Especially if it says mom or dad, yeah. they don't answer. And yet we do. Over a certain age, we answer that phone every time it rings. And it goes back to when did we allow people to just invade our time 24-7? If you don't recognize that number on the screen or the name of the business or you don't want to talk to somebody that you even know that's calling, don't answer the phone. Let it go to your voicemail. You decide later when you want to listen to it. And if it sounds like something that you want to make the phone call back, then you return the call. But a lot of that stuff you can just weed out right now. For example, Rachel from Cardholder Services, I think it's Discover. She calls me all the time. I don't even own a Discover card. And she calls me on my city phone as well. I certainly don't have a city credit card with Discover on the top or any for that matter. Um, So first and foremost, screen your phone calls. Do what our kids do. Screen your phone calls, right? Um, But secondly, anybody that cold calls you and attempts to get money out of you, money, whether it's gift cards, your bank routing number at the bottom of your checkbook, or your debit or credit card information, anybody that calls you and tries to get money out of you, that should be a red flag from go. Your bank they call you and tell you you're overdrafted. You don't necessarily have to believe that. You may be overdrafted, but that goes back to what I said. Check your online banking, check your app, check your mail. 
go to the bank itself if you don't like the technology aspect. Talk to your personal banker, ask them to look at your account, or call them on the phone number that you have on your bill and ask those questions. Don't just accept these cold calls requesting money. Red flag. I wrote a story, turned out to be, because I've done the research for this story that I'm working on now, from seven years ago, a gentleman, elderly gentleman in Metamora got a fake phone call from his fake grandson that he that needed help, went in and uh, cashed, I think, a war bond or something like that in the bank for several thousand dollars that had been sitting on for, for decades, followed the instructions, went to uh, Walmart, Western Union desk in the Washington Walmart, and the employees there finally, after he went through all of that, talked him into not going ahead and wiring the money. And I was able to talk to the the Walmart employees as well, and they said he was like the third one that day. And I was this was seven years ago, and I mean they were common then too, but they're far more common now. But that's just an example, right? Of, oh, absolutely. Uh, of, of how convincing people can be and how vigilant you have to be. And kudos to those employees. Yeah, you know, no I mean, let's look out for each other. If you are a retailer and you work in positions that have these different outlets and you see something that doesn't look right, say something to the person or ask mm-hmm. them, you know, might I be intrusive enough yeah. to ask, you know, what are you doing? If you don't feel comfortable with that, the person that is being scammed Again, that gut feeling, if it doesn't feel right, bounce it off of at least one person. Because a lot of times these victims, they just they go into autopilot and just follow the instructions and do what they're told. That's what this guy did. And they don't tell anybody. If you told at least one other person, the chances are very probable that, that person would say, wait a minute, wait a minute, this doesn't sound right. Or, like I said, call your local police department bounce the entire situation off of them and see what they say yeah or maybe at the very least get off when you get off the phone call your grandson and uh you know that might not be bad advice too yeah um well, I didn't. I didn't oh, have ahead. a Discover card, but I tell you that Rachel, when she calls, <laughs> you know, it's the only happy call you get. Some days you go, "Hey, Rachel, hey. what's going on?" You know, but <laughs> they're good at good at what they do. The friendly voice on the other absolutely. end. Absolutely, we don't get friendly voices calling us all the time. So Rachel sometimes is a, a nice uh, change from the the norm. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. It was you. interesting talking to both of you earlier this week, and really interesting today to do it. Um, in in this format so thanks very much thank you sir thank you for having us you bet just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left listen to where secrets go to die the disappearance of Derek hennigan from the detroit free press a new podcast set in the woods of michigan's upper peninsula Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.